Good morning, and welcome to The Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Breedeman, and we're so glad that you're with us today as we continue to discuss the many ways that Catholic Charities is responding to our neighbors who are suffering in Cook and Lake Counties. One of the longest-running and most successful programs at Catholic Charities is LOSS, which stands for Loving Outreach to Survivors of Suicide. LOSS is a non-denominational program that offers a safe, non-judgmental environment where survivors of suicide can find community, direction, and resources for healing. Father, Father Charles Ruby founded the LOSS program 42 years ago, and it has gained national acclaim for the honest, respectful ways that it assists families, couples, individuals, and friends who have suffered the devastating loss of a loved one to suicide. According to the Illinois Department of Public Health, suicide is the 11th leading cause of death, with more than 1,000 deaths by suicide happening year and per year in our state. Joining us today are two very compassionate, highly skilled women who work with Father Ruby on the LOSS program today. They found new and innovative ways to support everyone in the LOSS family throughout the pandemic. Deborah Major is the department director for LOSS, and Emily Teigenkamp is the program coordinator for LOSS. Welcome, Debbie and Emily. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much for, for being with us today. Debbie, um, may we start with you? Can you please remind uh, the, our audience how LOSS started and what the goals of the program are today? Yes. So LOSS started in the winter of 1979 after three families lost, had each lost a teenage child to suicide, and they met at a support group called Compassionate Friends. Compassionate Friends is a national support group for families that have lost a child uh, to death, any type of death. And when the couples met at this group, they felt so different by comparison to other families whose children had died of cancer or uh, the kinds of deaths that we might anticipate. They just felt kind of like fish out of water and that they didn't feel empowered to talk about their personal experience of suicide loss. So they came to Catholic Charities and uh, asked Father Ruby if he would start a group for them, and he did, and they met for a couple of years in the homes of one of the couples. And that was the very first loss group. And from there, it just branched out uh, sort of gradually over time and across distances. The goals of the program are to help survivors have the experience that they are really not alone. And that while their struggle is unique, they are part of a large supportive community of survivors. And we do try to offer everyone some psychoeducation about suicide, how it's different, um, because the experience of it is, is so very different from other deaths. We try to help them develop adaptive ways to cope, and we try to help them to create some kind of meaning, uh, because this is it's so hard to make sense of this. Uh, for some, this is done by honoring the life of their loved one, and most people do learn to find hope and strength, and they do learn to enjoy their lives again. 
I've heard Father Ruby describe the state of mind that leads someone to consider suicide as a very form, serious form of depression, and that sometimes that depression can be treated with positive outcomes, and sometimes it, it really can't. Um, can I ask, is that is that also a goal of the LOST program, to teach people about these facts about suicide so it's just more widely known uh, about the factors that can lead someone to that state of mind? Yes, that is one of the goals of the program. We do some out community outreach, and we kind of, if people ask us to come out and speak to their parishes or schools or community uh, gatherings, we do go out and do that. Um, but our priority has always been and will continue to be focused on the needs of survivors. Uh oh, my dog. <laughs> <laughs> on the needs of survivors. And so that's where the focus of the program remains. Many of the survivors do take this mission of spreading awareness. They take it, they take this mantle up themselves as they gain strength and they go out into the community. They're the ones that start speaking about and raising awareness. And we see this over and over. That's really quite remarkable that they would have the strength to, to go out and then try to help others in that way. Um, Emily, can I ask you, I know that loss strives to meet survivors wherever they are in the stages of grief. Can you please share with our audience uh, what uh, those stages are? Sure, absolutely. So I know that the, the stages of grief are, are really um, a common concept. A lot of people understand that, have heard about that. Um, and the way that we sort of view stages of grief in the loss program, instead of looking at it as something um, that's sort of this linear process where these are the, the emotions that you're going to experience, this is the timeline and what that sort of looks like, we more look at the stages of grief as a way to talk about common emotions that you might experience after losing someone. So what we know in the loss program is that that is so unique and so individual. Um, we do think that the majority of people will feel some form of these, these emotions, right? Anger, bargaining, sadness, um, depression. But we sort of see it more as these are things that you might visit and you might need to revisit and you might need to revisit again. Um, and so we just like to remind people that this process isn't isn't you know very straightforward. It's not sort of this graph that has this this upward trajectory. Um, that it is much more complicated than that. Um, and so we do sort of look um, at the stages of grief in terms of emotional responses and sort of focus more on sort of the tasks of grief and sort of where people are and incorporating the loss into their their own experience. And please um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe that loss people who come to Catholic Charities for assistance uh, in their grief process, um, some of them have recently uh, been a survivor of suicide, and sometimes it's months or even years after that event occurs. Am I right? That's a really good point, Katie, absolutely. So we do have survivors who join us very, very soon after their loss. They have been given our information by a family friend, by a funeral home. Um, they find us online and they call us pretty soon after the loss. And we have um, people who join us weeks, months, even years after their loss. Um, one of the things that we sometimes say is that, that that grief is gonna be waiting there. So we know that not everyone is ready to process that right away. Not everyone is ready to come to one of our groups or come to counseling, um, but we know that that grief isn't going anywhere and neither are we. Um, and so we're we're really prepared to, like you said, Katie, meet, meet folks wherever they are in that, that timeline um, of their own grief. And we sort of, you know, treat that a little differently depending 
depending on where where folks are um and it just you know we we're just happy anytime someone seeks us out for support no matter where they are in that that timeline there's somebody who can relate someone who can offer them you know some validation some some, some understanding um and so absolutely any stage of the process on that beautiful note we're going to take a break here on the voice of charity and we look forward to continuing our discussion uh, in just a moment please stay tuned Catholic Charities staff members work every day to end poverty and homelessness. We do this on a one-to-one -one basis with anyone who asks for help. We also work with organizations who study these issues across our city, state, and nation. The Wilson Sheehan Lab for Economic Opportunities, or LEO, at the University of Notre Dame is one of these research centers. Through our partnership with LEO, Catholic Charities has gained valuable insights into scientific evaluation methods that determine the most effective interventions to help people avoid poverty and homelessness. Along with our experience and compassion, Trusted Research is helping Catholic Charities offer hope and so much more to anyone in need. For more information, visit catholiccharities.net. Hey, it's Timothy Johnston here from Liturgy Training Publications. Over the past few months, I'm sure you've found yourself at home more whether it's working from home or watching live stream masses on Sunday mornings. As we begin adjusting to this at the beginning of the pandemic, one of the things I missed the most was gathering with friends at the parish. That's why we at LTP have created this new virtual gathering series called Living the Sunday Word. We meet virtually on Thursday evenings each week and reflect on the upcoming Sunday readings. And with that, we share stories to help us more fully reflect on the Word of God. I'm inviting each of you to join us, a group of friends meeting virtually from all parts of the country. So visit ltp.org for more information and to register. You won't want to miss this. the Voice of Charity. I'm Katie Breedeman, and today we're talking about Catholic Charities Loss Program, which is the loving outreach to survivors of suicide. I'm pleased to be with today Deborah Major, who is Department Director, and Emily Tegenkamp, who is Program Coordinator. Um, and um, Debbie, I'd just like to ask you, uh, when you, the loss program, after you meet with a client and start beginning to uh, see where they are in the stages of grief, what different uh, programs do you have that help them heal? And, and how were you able to continue those programs during the pandemic? Well, we have uh, many support groups, monthly and weekly support groups for the more newly bereaved. We offer individual counseling. Um, we have a, a monthly grief speaker series and we have a newsletter that we use both as 
a way to inform people about when the groups are held, but also to offer them articles that are meant to both educate them about the process of uh, suicide bereavement, but also to offer them some hope. And so the, the, the first things that we try to do are to provide a compassionate and non-judgmental environment because there's often a stigma uh, attached to suicide. And so our, our very first step is to help people uh, feel welcome and not judged. We, w- we also wanna help them begin to be able to speak about their loss. Um, this kind of loss really needs to be expressed. It needs to be expressed in some way. It doesn't just have to be talked about, but it, it does need to be expressed in some way. And so we want to reassure them and encourage them to be able to speak about it, reassure them that there's no one right way to grieve. And we wanna normalize questions that come up for them that are very, maybe very triggering there are a lot of questions that survivors have that are kind of very triggering about their sense of self, um, about their role, um, about safety. And so we want to we normalize these questions and encourage them to, to talk about them. So during the pandemic, we really had to make some significant changes. We brought all of our support groups online. We brought all of our monthly and weekly support groups online. We brought our counseling service online. Um, we started the Grief Speaker Series, which is a, a totally new uh, program that we're offering that's been very well received by survivors. Um, uh, for instance, this coming Monday, uh, July 12th, Lorraine Bodner, one of our therapists, will be presenting on coping after suicide loss. And we think this is going to be a very helpful presentation uh, for survivors. So we've had many interesting presentations, and we plan to continue the Grief Speaker series going forward for as long as interest uh, remains. And Emily, I know that you normally have um, an annual spring brunch in which uh, hundreds of lost family members gather Um, And I know you came up with a very creative way to continue that during the pandemic. Can you share that with our audience as well? We were very fortunate to have um, a a really wonderful uh, development team here at Catholic Charities that that thought very, um, very quickly on their feet in 2020 to move our our brunch fundraiser online, um, which was really different for us, as you can see some of the, if anyone can see the pictures that are flashing. um, This usually is an in-person event where we have about a thousand people gathered. um, And so we knew it wasn't going to be safe to hold it in person, even though it was such a special, special event. Um, And although it is a fundraiser, the brunch is a little more than that. It really is an opportunity for our survivors to come together, for their family members to come and to support a program um, that was really so instrumental in their their healing. Um, And it, it really is one of the you know, our program, even though it is a bereavement program, the, the brunch is an opportunity for us to to celebrate a little bit and for us to, um, you know, share some smiles and share some memories. And so being able to do that online um, and having the privilege of getting to emcee that event the past couple of years was really um, phenomenal. We were still able to interview our, award, our father, Charles T. Ruby Award recipient, um, who's usually our keynote speaker each year. And so I had the, the privilege of, of doing those interviews 
issues. Um, and we do actually have recordings of both of our, our past brunches for 2020 and 2021 um, on our website. So if anyone is interested in just taking a look and sort of the things that we um, talk about during during that event, you are very welcome to, to give it a watch. So that would be catholiccharities.net slash loss. Um, and there is a beautiful web page on our uh, agency website that people can go and, and see the videos that Emily's talking about. Um, Emily, can you also share a little bit about the clinicians and the facilitators who help in the Catholic Charities uh, programs? How are they trained and, and um, how, uh, you know, how do they get involved in loss? Sure. So our, I think that our, our clinicians and our facilitators um, are really, really special people. Um, I don't think that every every person is drawn to do this kind of work. And so I think that we are really, really fortunate to have some wonderfully seasoned clinicians um, who are so compassionate um, and so knowledgeable already to join our team. Uh, we certainly try to offer some more specific training on the suicide sort of bereavement um, side of things. And so we, we definitely have research and readings um, and that sort of thing. But we also provide opportunities for us to come together as a team um, and really do, you know, some case consultation, um, have an ability to sort of speak about what's going on in the program, seek some support, you know, with one another, um, which we think is just a really important piece of, of working, um, you know, in our program that has a lot to do with trauma and trying to, to support people through a really difficult time. Um, and so we try to give that back to our clinicians clinicians as well to have them, you know, make sure that they're receiving support on, on our end. Um, our facilitators are sort of a, a different group of folks. These are our volunteers um, for our support groups. And what makes our facilitators really, really special is that all of them have gone through our program. So all of them have lost a loved one to suicide, um, have shown up in our groups, have participated, um, and then have really been chosen by um, the, the other folks who are there facilitating our clinicians and our facilitators who said this person is so supportive, the, the way that they're able to listen to others, um, the way that they're able to just sort of show care and compassion. Um, and so that's kind of how we we sort of identify who our, our volunteers will be um, and certainly offer them significant training and support as well um, so that they're they're not on their own. We're, we're definitely working as a team. That's that's definitely true of all of our services and loss. And Debbie, could you please speak to a little bit uh, about how the, the different um, individuals and family members process grief differently? That's just a, a common fact that people all process grief differently. Can you please share with our audience some of the programs and the ways that uh, you ha and, and Emily and Father Ruby have um, structured the program over the years to acknowledge that? Yes, yeah, so we have been able to develop some groups that are relationship specific or that uh, recognize the characteristics of grievers that are unique. So for instance, um, we have a Spanish speaking loss group and that was created because we recognized how important it is for people to be able to grieve in their native uh, in the in the, the the language of their birth, the, that is the language of their emotions, and so we have a monthly group that uh, is gathered for people who are whose first language is is Spanish. We have uh, a spouse support group for people who have lost a spouse, a partner, uh, fiance. Um, we have a young adult group because we have come to recognize that developmental stage 
the developmental stage of one's life matters a great deal. And so uh, they meet together once a month. And we have a parent support group for people who have lost a child because we recognize that that is a different kind of experience, too. So we have a number of, of these groups, uh, but we also have groups where people come together to kind of share across relationships, uh, relationship losses. And in those groups, I think you gain a different kind of perspective because people who may have lost a child are also sitting next to people who lost a spouse, and that helps them um, with with the perspective of their own loss. It kind of broadens everybody's, um, their, their, and, it, and it really helps when you can have that kind of cross cross fertilization of, um, of healing. And I guess I just ask either of you, acknowledging that loss is a non-denominational group, um, but we as Catholic Charities, you know, are a Catholic organization. Um, are there ways that we are able to respect uh, people of different faiths and those of no faith while still incorporating our traditions of prayer and our Christian hope and eternal life into the loss program? Emily, let's, I'll start with I, you. Yeah, I think, oh, sorry. Oh, no, I, I think that that is a really good question, Katie, because one of the reasons we do want to keep our program non-denominational is to be welcoming to folks of all backgrounds with that understanding um, that there maybe are some needs that folks have in, in their their own journey of, of faith or, or of spirituality. And so one of the things I always say is, although we don't, um, we don't maybe pray as a group, um, or we don't, um, you know, I'm, I'm not there to preach to you or anything like that when I'm facilitating a group. One of the things I always say is that you are always welcome to talk about your own journey of faith. You are always welcome to talk about your own belief system, whatever is coming up for you. And we're really fortunate to have Father Ruby in our program um, because we do also have folks who come and 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 really they're they're you know they're. Um, complications that they're having with with their faith is really primary for them. That's something, um, you know, their spirituality is really what is suffering the most. And so we're also really fortunate to have, you know, that that um, expertise on our team um, in case that is something that someone is looking for. Um, I don't know, Debbie, if you've got anything to add about that. Well, I I think that one thing I would add is that our I think our groups are so beautiful when we do have people of different faiths in the same group. There's, there are groups where you walk in the room and you just would never see this, uh, Katie, where you ha have in the same group, you have a Muslim couple sitting next to a Catholic couple, sitting next to an atheist, sitting next to someone of the Jewish religion. And it's so beautiful. They would, they've only met because of this tragedy and yet they've come together to support each other, and it is it is truly beautiful. I mean, it's it is the reason that we don't uh, pray in the groups because we do we do want everyone to feel welcome, and they do. They're everyone is supporting everyone else, and that really contributes uh, a great deal to to the healing. This uh, this this kind of communal support contributes a great deal. 
What a wonderful environment you really have created that is opening and welcoming to anyone and everyone. Um, I know over the years, and Father Ruby has written so beautifully about um, the loss of, of someone, a lo of one, loved one to suicide. And he has many um, columns that he's written, and you've recently compiled a book, right, called Seasons of Grief. Um, and I just wanted to ask if you could please share with our audience how they could get a copy of that and hear Father Ruby's perspectives from over the years. Yeah, so if anyone's interested in uh, purchasing the book, we do have uh, copies at the agency. They can call our um, our information and intake line at 312-655-7283 and ask uh, for the book, or they can email us at loss at catholiccharities.net. That's L-O-S-S -S at catholiccharities.net, and they can ask uh, for the book, and we'd be more than happy to send a uh, copy of the book out to them. Thank you so much, Debbie. And before we run out of time here today, um, I know included in our live stream photos today are some wonderful photos of an event that you held in 2019 at Wrigley Field, acknowledging uh, the 40th anniversary of loss um, and establishing the Father Ruby Endowment Fund. Um, working with him through the years, are there certain things that he has said or done that have made a significant impact on you in the way that you do your work in helping survivors of suicide? Uh, Debbie, I'll, I'll go to you first. You know, Father uh, has said this from the time that I first uh, was uh, came to the Lost Program, talked about how different suicide is, um, and that's been kind of central to the program and to the way that we respond. But he also talks about what a mystery, what a mystery it is. Um, and so those are two of the things that really resonate with me and that I, I carry with me into the groups and into my work uh, counseling the survivors. And Emily? You know, one of the things that has always been um, really remarkable to me about Father Ruby is is really his memory. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we'll be in a in a meeting and he'll say something about like, oh, and I got a call from Sharon so-and-so. And I remember when she lost her dad back in 1987. And, you know, and it's, it's really incredible the way that he has clearly just established all of our survivors in, in his heart and the, the compassion that he shows, the way that he's able to remember these individual stories, I, I think just shows it, it immense compassion and, and care. And I think that that's really a, a really wonderful example for all of our clinicians and facilitators. I think it's a real gift to be able to say, you know, your loss touched me so much that even decades later, it's something I'm able to, to think about and, and reflect on and um, certainly something I've, I've taken taken from him for sure. I also have the blessing of working with Father Ruby on Keynager News, uh, and I agree with you that it's truly a gift uh, to work with him and try to help people in need of Catholic Charities uh, standing by his side. So I just want to say that, Debbie and Emily, your empathy for survivors of suicide is really quite moving, and your ability to help so many people recover and move forward is equally inspiring. We congratulate you on the many ways you've stayed connected to the entire lost community throughout the pandemic, and we thank you so much for coming on The Voice of Charity today. We wish you continued success in the vital work that you do. Uh, just to remind the audience, too, that if you'd like to reach out to LOSS, uh, that phone number again is 312-655-7283. 
Again, 312-655-7283, or you can email them at loss at catholiccharities.net. We invite everyone back again next week for another edition of The Voice of Charity. For now, this is Katie Breedeman wishing you a very happy and healthy week from everyone at Catholic Charities. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.